Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Trish McGregor and Rob McGregor and our producer and tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Among them are phenomena, harnessing your psychic abilities, the secrets of spirit communication, sensing the future, and aliens in the backyard. Our upcoming book is called The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground. And Trisha's new novel, White Crows, will be out on May 24th. Rob has been slowly releasing the audio edition of Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Our guest today is Reverend Dr. Sharon Elizabeth James, who 10 years ago founded the Cosmic Center of Spiritual Light in Sarasota, Florida. Earlier in her life, she underwent four years of intense metaphysical and spiritual training in theosophy, new thought, spiritualism, and ancient and contemporary religious beliefs at the Spiritual Science Center of New York. She has a doctorate degree in theosophy and divinity and was ordained in June 1989, the same year she made Florida her new home. Welcome, Sharon Elizabeth. Sharon or Sharon Elizabeth? Uh, I go by Sharon Elizabeth. I brought in that Elizabeth energy early on. There's a whole story about that. You know, we all have these stories, how things intertwine and how right. we manifest. Okay. Hey, let's start in your bio. And in, in your bio, you say that you experienced cosmic consciousness at the age of two and a half. So what exactly happened that you remember and how did it affect you at that age? Well, most certainly how it affected me is that it put me on this path, you know, ever since seeking to get that back um, on this journey. But uh, yeah, I, I actually have my memory from a year and a half. So um, and even prior to that experience, I remember vividly I my parents were having a party. There was a party going on. And I was actually in the crib in another room, but I could hear the noise and, you know, people. And ever so often, uh, people would come in and check on me, specifically my mother and my aunt. So I remember them coming in. It's very interesting because as I think about it now, uh, there was a doll and it was like a fabric doll, a stuffed fabric doll, but it had a pointed head. So sort of like, uh, if you remember saying like live, I had the cone heads. So it was like right. I had this cone head doll that was the same size as me. <laughs> and so I think about it, I said, that was my first encounter with an alien, I think. <laughs> In the crib. <laughs> but I know <laughs> what was to come. Uh, but, it, but at any rate, um, at two and a half, I was about two and a half years old because, you know, I had asked my mother, you know, like the timeline on this. And they lived in a, an apartment in New York, uh, different from the other place where I started growing up. So I know for a fact, it was very, very young. And I was just standing by a white wall in my parents' apartment. And then all of a sudden, I just had this sense of you know, uh, on the essence, on the potency, I was one with everything. It was beyond my little two and a half year old body. It was beyond, you know, whatever little brain I had going on at the time. It was way beyond that. It was another level of myself being one with everything. And in that experience of being one with everything, okay, I had like the communication that I've been here before. Um, I have a mission to do. Um, 
and and I feel that what that experience did for me, even though in my little physical two and a half year old body and brain, I couldn't comprehend what the heck happened, but it left the mark on me. It was almost like, don't forget. I feel like it was imprinted with a don't forget your cosmic memory. Don't forget. Hmm. And so as I got older, you know, part of the things that happened after that is that early on, maybe I'm, I don't know, five years old, six years old, when I begin to see what the world is like, I'm like in complete horror and shock. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to be here. I was like, really, honestly, I was so upset. I was upset when I guess God that I'm on this barbaric planet that I was just dropped over here and I was abandoned and I'd look up at the stars. And I mean, I was, it was, I still have abandonment issues. I still have, (laughs) but it was like, I was, I, I, it was very traumatic. And that's what it is. It was very traumatic. I had this sense that, Oh no, this, 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 there's a big mistake. There's a big cosmic mistake here. I'm not supposed to be here. But then of course, you know, after a while I am here. So I had to settle for the fact and go through your regular childhood things. But I do believe that whole experience that I had at two and a half, most certainly uh, set me on a spiritual path from then that I kind of questioned everything in this world from very young. So I was um, uh, brought up, I was sent to Catholic elementary school. I ended up going to Catholic high school. And so most certainly I became aware of like, you know, the, the Jesus, the Christ and, you know, the divine mother and the saints and all of that, which is a premises to what I call the ascendant masters today, which, you know, I primarily work with and a real strong connection to uh, the mind mother. And of course the Christ consciousness, I used to make a joke. I said, you know, um, at one point I thought that Catholic school beat the Jesus out of me, but guess what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... All the way back around. and yeah. like, Oh my gosh, it is real. <laughs> you know? yeah, Trish and I went through the same experience with the Catholic religion. I remember as a kid uh, in like summer school uh, going to these, uh, uh, sessions that we would have and I got a chance to sneak behind the altar looking for God. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't see him, you know, I was just dis- really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. know where is he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, in the icons that we see, you know, they're always pointed here. This is where, this is where it is. It's inside here. It's in that higher heart you know, compassion and unconditional love. So, uh, but well, pretty much, yeah. Um, You know, I would say that that was a defining, you know, point in my life, you know, uh, here and upon this earth. Um, Very interesting. It was a, I never lost it. I mean, I got distracted with other things, but I never lost that because I remember being in elementary school and, you know, they had the catechism at the time and, you know, this is the way it is. And so there were certain things that I was confused about because, you know, they had the Bible. They're very focused on the New Testament. I know that. But I said, well, what about the Old Testament? So oh, don't worry about that. That really doesn't matter that much as to New Testament. So as a kid, I'm like, well, why do they have it in the book? You know, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so, you know, God bless, you know, I, I listen to little children because they're so innocent and like, they're like, this isn't making sense to me, or, you know, they're still so pure of heart. But then another defining time, I would say, and very, very young, um, I experienced, well, first of all, I don't think I was fully connected in my body until after kindergarten, you know, mm-hmm. and so I felt like I was observing myself, mm-hmm. which I've come to know to be what I call the neutral observer. There's a higher part of yourself and you're sort of observing. It's almost seeing yourself in a play and all the different characters. So I had that feeling, I think, up until just after the kindergarten. And then when I went into the first grade, it was a a beautiful nun. And she really came from the heart of compassion and, and unconditional love, what I call a golden heart. And in fact, she became a cloister. 
as I understand. So in first grade, I experienced this love, you know, from this, 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 this woman. And in second grade, it was the complete opposite. <laughs> second grade, I feel like in Christ. <laughs> So early on, and I could see, you know, I had the intuitive and the perception to perceive what some things that seem hypocritical, you know, saying one thing, but doing another. And in the second grade, you know, is the first communion of those of you who are familiar with how that works in the Catholic Mm -hmm. Catholicism. And then the other little confusing part was, you know, confession and I was like, well, I don't, you know, think I did anything, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> yeah. warrant to confess a sin, you know. And I, like, don't feel that. I used to make up sins and confess. I know. It's like, oh my God, a panic. What are you gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got up late. I got up late. There goes a sin so much. <laughs> so you know, it's almost like it did, I don't know if this is kind of crazy. And and then um yeah. early on too. I think I've been like in the third grade at this point, you know, I started asking, asking these kind of deep questions. So when one of the questions I had asked, I would say, well, how can a God of love create hell forever? Like there's no reformation. There's, that's it. You know, we're throwing it out. I said, isn't this supposed to be a God of love? Like, yes, there can be some you know, of, of, you know, karma and, you know, a gazillion years, but at least there's a way of getting out, you know, something like that. And so that was, that didn't make sense to me. So I asked the question, I raised my head and I asked the question, I said, well, how can a God of love create something where there's, in so many words, what I was saying that no one has an opportunity for forgiveness or I made a mistake because I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I knew I was a joke, like, uh-oh, you know, so, and the other part was that if there was a mortal sin, you know, you get, you didn't get the last act of contrition, or you didn't get to go to the, um, to the confessional, you know, uh-oh, you had that mortal sin, you're in hell, like, forever, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was very concerned about this, very concerned, so I asked this question, and this another defining point I remember clearly The answer I got was not an answer because I guess it was such a deep question that, you know, the teacher, the nun didn't have a ready answer answer for that. So instead, what she did, she deflected it by saying, well, that's a stupid question. And if nobody has an intelligent question, then don't ask any question at all. Well, of course, that shut everybody up. Okay. (laughs) But under my breath, I said, it's not a stupid question. And I think at that point, I became a renegade. I think that was the <laughs> defining moment. <laughs> I became a renegade. And then the other thing that I did that was kind of pushing me to be an independent thinker, to be a seeker of truth and not get constrained into a certain you know, uh, a belief system that you can't go out of. There was a couple other things. I was very concerned about those people because at least in the in the age that I was brought up with this, it's like you have to be Catholic. And by the way, Roman Catholic, forget mm-hmm. Greek Orthodox, that's not even part of it, Roman Catholic. <laughs> Uh, that's how you're going to get to heaven. If you don't have that, then, you know, you, you, you don't get through those pearly gates. And I was concerned about all the beautiful, wonderful people who were not Roman Catholic. I said, well, what about Aunt Mavis? And what about, you know, so I was worried. I, ever since I came to the planet, I've been worrying. So I think they don't get to go. And so I was like, this makes no sense. How can they not go? So this is the test that I did that I really seal the fact, you know what, I'm taking this. I'm going to find out for myself. And that was when I asked one question and I did my own experiment. And at the time there was a a nun, brother and priest. And I think it was the St. Joseph nuns. It was the Franciscan brothers. I'm not sure which, uh, I don't know if they were Jesuits. I'm not sure which one the priest was at the time. But at any rate, um, I asked this one question, each of them. So one nun, one, you know, one brother and one priest. 
And I got three different answers. I went, <laughs> aha. So my answer <laughs> is just as valid. No one said the exact same thing. So at that point, I became very empowered. And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to check this out on my own. I'm going to talk to, you know, Jesus and, and so forth. And, you know, at one point there was a disconnect with Jesus and that I was searching, you know, because it was the Jesus on the cross. And I never kind of related to that, you know, the, 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 the cross and you have to suffer. And then after that, you know, you can, you know, get to heaven, be happy every after. And somehow I didn't feel that resonated with me. What stayed with me, however, my entire life, Okay, we, it, uh, it, I went to a beautiful uh, church. It was called Our Lady of Lourdes. It was built after Lourdes in France, and it was in Brooklyn, New York. And um, it was a cathedral, and it was magnificent. It was really beautiful and regal. And there was a stained glass window of Mother Mary in this very specific area. And, you know, at the time they have, I don't know, this is... A, to myself these clickers like they have the little kids dressed up in the veils and you know special ceremonies and you have to walk in a straight line stop make a left turn very regimented and don't don't mess up <laughs> don't mess up and so at certain times when I'm questioning things I was always look behind and asking this picture I saw of Mother Mary you know and just having this silent communication meditation if you will you know, I just felt this loving presence from who I understood as Mother Mary. And that has lasted throughout my entire life to currently. She's very much, you know, she's about the peace. I've had experiences with her, you know, and that there is supposed to be, needs to be the rise of the divine feminine to equalize or bring into better balance divine feminine and divine masculinity mm -hmm. and bringing in that higher Trinity has been lacking or not that connection to make that stabilization. So we don't have this polarity imbalance going back and forth. Yeah. But look at the world now. Exactly. How, now everything's out of balance. Exactly. Now, let me tell I actually have a program here. I don't know if I can put my hands on it real quick, but I had an experience in 2010 and in 2010, I was in a deep meditation. Actually, I was on a, an acoustic sound bed uh, with a lady named Reverend Robin, who's one of the ministers here at the Cosmic Center. And I went into a very deep meditation. And in this meditation, I found myself, which was like, interestingly enough, like Lords. It was like water trickling down these rocks like a grotto. And I found myself climbing up. It was a whole experience. I even saw um, a, a, a Pegasus, a white horse, you know, with the wings. Okay. Mm -hmm. And helping me to like guiding me to go higher and higher. And I go into like this ethereal uh, temple, beautiful. And way up there in the corner, I'm seeing like in a diamond, a figure uh, that looked like a woman. And it was like, I knew looking up at that, that it was, you know, the divine mother who I call mother Mary. It comes in many different forms, but that's what I call. And in that moment, I received this, this, this telepathic, or I guess that's the best word I could use for it, but this divine impression, if you will. And she said very specifically, I wrote it down. She said she needs somebody to hold the polarities in balance. <laughs> she said in 2010, she said that there will be extreme polarities and that extreme polarities causes wars, uh, the possibility of civil war uh, in the United States, mm -hmm. actually, a civil war. She said that she needs light workers, okay, that do not get involved in the polarity swings on this vibration of drama. This is where she said you have to come from the neutral observer. And remember, I had experienced a little bit before. So this was saying, and she said, you cannot participate like, you know, for example, Republican and Democrat, smoker, non-smoker, male, female, all of those things like jokes or whatever. No, no, no. 
She said, somebody calling to light workers needs to hold the polarities in balance because there's going to be a time of these extreme uh, uh, polarity swings. And sure enough, okay, that was in that was in 2010. And we know what's going on right now. And so I one of the things that I do say here, and I tell people, I said, you have to leave all that drama at the end of the door. First of all, that cannot come in here. This is a spiritual frequency that we maintain and we hold the balance. We walk that middle path and don't engage, you know, personally or otherwise. We have our own opinions, of course, and our own divine discernment. I'm not saying, but not where you watch something and want to kick in the TV, not where you allow something to cause you to go into rage, not that level. You have to keep it up here. So we don't have that. Mm. So you've been, Go ahead, Rob. Yeah. Uh, so in July of 2007, you began hosting meditations every Monday evening. And that was uh, before you opened the center what uh, what was it that prompted you to uh, start the group meditations and what are the meditations like? And is there an overall purpose that you're striving for in these right. meditations? Well, <clears throat> I've come to find out that more than meditation, I now call them transmission okay. meditations because really it's a transmission. That was a very interesting journey. So um, at some point, you know, I, a couple of things, a couple of things happened. So let me go back and for your listening audience, you know, uh, some may relate to this or they may be in it. I remember uh, now I'm after college, you know, career and all of that stuff going on. And I've always had this awareness uh, with me, but then it came to a point, I think it was way back, you know, in the eighties, I knew about Mount Shasta and always been on this, this path, but now I want to focus on career and, you know, uh, getting married and all that stuff. So I said, at that time, I said, you know, I know, I know, but I tell you what, I promise I'll do it the second half of my life. I promise. I promise. Right. And you know what? That was it. I was very much into the world around me, although I never, it never left me, but my focus and attention was on other things. When I turned 50, <laughs> right. Have you seen the matrix, you know, when Neo gets that thing behind them, well, it was something like that. And it was a result where I was connected with this, uh, with this particular church and it was a spiritualist church. And, uh, you know, I was always intuitive so I could do some work, but it was, it, there was something else. There was something else. And at the time, uh, let me just regress a minute. I had an experience in 1989 of uh, which is which is what you will see um, the name of our, our logo. It's round and it has this. I actually here. Let me show you something. <clears throat> okay, I don't know if you can see this. Well, this is what happened to me when I was in college, right? And so. It's, it's called the universal cause. And basically what it says is that it's all one. That was the next impression. It's all one, all one. And at the time, they didn't have the vocabulary like unity, consciousness, and oneness. They didn't have the vocabulary back then, but that's what it meant. 33 years later, okay, there goes the symbol, okay, as manifested as the cosmic center of spiritual light. And I just want to tell people, like, you know, there's a divine timing in everything. And at one point I was like, well, I guess this is not supposed to happen. I always thought I, you know, I did a visualization chart and I felt that I should be like head of a church or something, you know, from way back when. Um, and then when I had this experience, I said, well, maybe it's, you know, going to be a church in some point. I don't know. And 33 years passed because I didn't know I didn't know. They're like, no, you're not. Yes, I much respect for spiritualists. You know, there are people that I've seen such great healing, knowing that their loved ones are okay. And I know many other spiritualists, high-powered spiritualists that can do that. But they 
the understanding that I had is that, no, that's not where you're at. And I had an experience where I saw the, um, the galaxy mm-hmm. and they were like, no, you're, you're, you're cosmic. You're, you're, you're in this bandwidth. <laughs> this is where you're at. That's home. Of course, it took years for me to get to that level to go beyond, beyond, beyond. And so the anchoring light to answer your question, Rob, um, is after this, after 50 years old, I did a, um, oh my gosh, I have it right here. I had this calendar of the goddesses. And I was in, at the time, a very patriarchal kind of controlling environment. It was sort of like a love-hate relationship because they didn't want me to say father, mother, God. This is a long time ago now. And I said, I will always say father, mother, God. You know, you can't stop me from saying that. But I was always about the goddess, the goddess, the goddess. And so I found this calendar. I think this is from 1991 that had these beautiful pictures of the goddess and I held on to them because I said, I'm going to have to do a, a workshop on this. I'm going to do a class on this. And, you know, and the best way for your own path is to teach. To learn is to teach. So anyway, I held on to this for, I don't remember how many years. It was a long time. And then remember Dan Brown? When his book came out, okay, uh, and then, um, you know, it was the whole big rage about that and about the Divine Mother. And that's when my opportunity at this place where I was at, these men came up to me, the pastors, and they said they wanted people to come to the church to learn. And they said, you know, that uh, uh, father, mother, father, mother thing that you do. You know, and I said, I would really like to do a class on the Divine Mother, on the goddess. And they said to me, well, yeah, okay. They finally said, okay. So I ran through that opportunity and I um, uh, got to do that. And I said, what am I going to talk about? Okay, there were so many books. The Red Tent was around at that time. And so I went to this bookshop. Those are all the goddesses. I went to the bookshop and there was a place that had like, you know, like 5,000 books, like used books on the top thing. It was surrounded by books. A book literally fell to my feet and it was by Barbara Marciniak. And it was, I didn't even know the word Pleiadian. I didn't even know the word at the time. I said Pleiadian. It was the living library. Earth, the living library. It had a picture of an egg on it. It's a book, the book. Yeah. It is a good book. Yes. And so I picked it up and I just opened up to a page. You know how that goes. And it was called Galvanization of the Goddess. I went, this is it. So anyway, I took the book. And at that time, you know, I'm working. I'm a single mom. You know, I have to have bullet points, very <laughs> get right to it. So I knew that would be the book. Uh, a wonderful, eclectic group of women came together from different backgrounds. And we had this discussion, this discussion group. And I said, you know what? We could just hand it to the Divine Mother and let her kind of direct everything. I just remember saying that. And all I can tell you at that time, I guess it was my promise that I would do it the second half of my life, is that I had, if you you remember the, the movie, The Matrix, uh-huh. with Neo, I had such a download that I felt I was raising out of my, bre- my, my bed. I had to say, slow down. It was for a week. I was walking around with my eyes like saucers. They were like this big. I was like this. Okay. But then after I had the experience, there wasn't anything like I, I didn't know. It could be the most complex mathematics, physics, chemistry. Gee, I could have used this when I was at school. You know, I just had this, this higher understanding of everything. And then the next situation that happened, I had what I call a dream experience. They're not really dreams, but they're dream experiences. And uh, in it, um, I found myself like in a Colosseum, how you would see the Roman Colosseum, and it was thousands of people around. And at the center looking down, I see like, you know, these like majestic beings. And so I'm looking around like, hey, what am I doing? What am I, what is this place? Where am I at? And everybody's looking at me. 
I'm like, <laughs> what? They're all staring at me. Anyway, I go down there and I'm given this huge book, which I call the book of earth. And in this experience, this being, I'm not sure it was Toth because Toth came to my life at this time. Uh, but my eyes can only go as far as the shoulders. I couldn't see from here up. And they hand this book, which is a huge book. I open it up and it wasn't like hieroglyphics, but it was like how you would do water paints, you know, like you know, the colors and the colors spoke to me emotionally. And I remember being in shock. I was like, oh, what? I'm like, what? What? And it was like telling me about the earth, what was going on the earth from a cosmic perspective. And whatever glasses, rose colored glasses I had on, those were knocked off. And I remember holding the book like this and saying, I know I can only do good with this. Right after that, okay, this has all started this rapid now um, unfoldment of information and guidance. And right after that happened, my son, the People to People program by President Eisenhower, remember he started that. And so my son was in middle school at the time and this program came to be, and he ended up participating in that he actually went to China for like three weeks. And, but on that brochure, it said the purpose of the people, the people program was for young people to cultivate peace because governments never will. And I was like, what? What do you mean? This is way back when now. Governments never will. Doesn't everybody want world peace? That was under my impression. Doesn't everybody want this? <clears throat> and then I started getting what I call more, I, I would say were more telepathic at the time, like these ideas that will come to me that was not originating from me because this was like stuff I didn't know. And it was like, it's like I made a contact with President Eisenhower. He's long been dead. I only knew him when I was a little girl. Um, and then I'm guided to these videos. That's how old this, this is how long ago the video, the video cassettes. And there was one that, that featured him. And it was, um, it was uh, the, the uh, military industrial complex, what that was. And then very synchronicity, somebody gives me this, now I'm attracting this, uh, a thing about black helicopters. I'm like, black helicopters, what the heck is that? Well, all I could tell you, okay, during this time, it was like boom, 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 but guess who also came? Guess who also came to me? who I know to be, and I say it out loud because I know who I am and what I'm connected to, the Illuminati. I was recruited and it was done in a specific way. I know one other person the same way it happened. They don't come out saying this is who we are, but anyhow, I received a letter. You remember, you know, I'm busy, single mom working. I, I, I went to the mailbox and, you know, it has to be something there quick or else I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. So I saw some, it looked very different, this envelope. It was a par avion, if you remember those, it was the red and blue, like border around that. And it said Henderson, you know, um, uh, Nevada. I was like, what the heck is this? Anyway, and it was, it was typewritten like an old typewriter, not like a computer. So it looked strange. So that's what let it open up. It was a... I think it's either a six page or eight page letter, like letters type like this. And who has time to read that? Well, I just started with the first sentence. I had my name on there and it said, it said things that were so intimate to me that, you know, it started off with, you know, you've always sensed there's something more beyond this world. You've always known this and you could see like puddle puzzle pieces into the future, which I could. I was like, who the heck is this? So anyway, I ended up. Do you still have it? Huh? You still have the letter. I still have it. Yeah, I still have it. And I ended up reading the entire thing, standing there, reading each page to the end. That's how intense this was. <coughs> so it had at the end, like, you know, you get this book and it gives you today. So it takes you on this little journey. But at some point, this is what it said. And this is how all the synchronicity comes in. It said, you know, you and yours, because they said this is for you and your descendants. It's like a special club. 
Okay. And how happy they will be that, you know, you have this. And if you only know the who's who, who's part of this. And, you know, so it had that component to it. But then it said, you don't have to worry. You and yours do not have to worry about the earth changes. You will be protected. Right. I said, well, what about everybody else? (laughs) <laughs> that was my concern. Like, okay, but what about everything else? And I remember having a knot right into my solar plexus when I read that. And then it also went on to say, oh, you know, if you know how the mind works, you can, you know, like play games of chance, like, you know, gambling and you would win and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, long story short, it kind of roped you in like this. And just before, Okay, I guess the next step was to meet and all of that. I read from the Palladians, my my best friends now, right? And I'm reading Barbara Marciniak's books. And, you know, she information, similar information. She went to Egypt in the Great Pyramid. I went to Egypt in the Great Pyramid. So it was so much I related to. And then one of the questions was, how can you tell the difference between light and darkness? And one of the Responses to Palladian said, light is inclusive, dark is exclusive. I went, that's where that knot came in. They were exclusive, not inclusive. It was the Palladians and all these other things, these divine synchronicities that opened up my mind to be clear, okay, as to who I was and where I was going. Who and wrote so, the letter? You know, huh? who wrote the letter? You mean the the... The, what I've come to find out afterwards, right? After they did it, they they said that they were the Illuminati. Oh, and they wrote the letter. Yeah. Oh, they okay. Were, they were the ones that were doing this, reeling you in. You know, it's a, so what it would be it would be a letter, and then you would read what they sent, and then you would if you then you go to the next level, say okay. You know, so they keep you like on this path. And then it got up to the point where I start reading. They talked about the bicarbonate mind and very scientific and what you can do. So it's all the way up to this point, up to this point. And then it was like, I believe it was the next step. I would have actually met people, right? And they look for, I think they look for people who may have some, I'm not sure what their criteria is, maybe some psychic abilities, maybe it's DNA driven. I don't know for sure. But all I know at the same time that they were doing this is the same time a whole enlightenment, you know, we're given the book of birth with um with President Eisenhower, with the uh the black helicopters, you know, where all of this was going at the same time, all the way to the Palladians that said, How do you know the difference between light and dark? Okay, and when they said light is inclusive, dark is exclusive, I knew in my heart that, and then I then I learned about the Illuminati and I went, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm clear on this. I'm crystal bubbling clear on this. And so I shut that down and, you know, moved to the, you know, to the light. So basically they were trying to recruit you. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And they go and they recruit quite a few people. If you don't know better, they're going to lure you with, you know, this is an exclusive club and, you know, this is uh, only, you know, these deep inner secrets of what's really going on and all of that, which is, you know, that's that, that listen, you, there's things out there. It's your choice whether you work with the light or dark. Okay. Dark, dark is what I consider service to self service to self, where light is service to others, service to others. And so, of course, I have a much broader, higher understanding of that whole dynamic. You know, I do study the keys of Enoch. I study the Gnostic Gospels. You know, I I study this level of understanding the dynamics of how do things come to be on this planet? Why are things the way they are? And most certainly, I think if anybody looks at the world, you could say there's some kind of counterforce coming in, but it's not a local story. It's a much higher cosmic story. Yeah. So when did you get involved in the uh, Spiritual Science Center of New York and taking this uh, four-year study? Yes. It's very interesting because at first I thought I was going to be a unity minister. 
Okay. Now, let me say this. This is very interesting. So in elementary school, I think it was early on, I had the sense that I should be a leader. And I want to say something. I am the most reluctant leader. Okay. I mean, I, I'm like, they have to pull me out and say, get up in front. You know, I'd like to be behind the scenes and nobody knows who I'm. that is not the case. I'm now out there into the public, but I knew from little, from very young, there were things you have to get, I had to get over my shyness. I had to get over my fear of dogs. You know, it was just certain things that you have to move on on this path. I knew I had to do these things. And so at some point I said, I really feel that I should, the idea that I should be head of a church. Oh, the only thing I knew at the time was a church. Like, I think I should be head of a church. So when I was in elementary school again, I said, you know what? I want to be a priest. And they said, oh, no, you can't be a priest, but you could be a nun. And I was like, mm, no, I know for sure it's not none because <laughs> the dynamics back then. I know it's not a nun. Of course, they didn't tell me I could be a priestess. But anyway, um, and, you know, it was very interesting. Uh, just a little sidebar, a little humor. So all these many years later now, I actually officiated a wedding uh, or former priest. And. Uh, it's just a beautiful man. And at the reception, you know, he was like a priest for 40 years and he talked, you know, how he loved God and, you know, that, that for his life, he needed love in his, his in his life. And so it was, there wasn't a, uh, a dry eye anyway, but anyway, where I, where they had the wedding and where I officiated, many of his friends came, many of them older right? And I'm there officiating. I'm looking around with all the guys with the collars on. And I said, this is interesting because it reminds me of those same guys telling me I couldn't be a priest. <laughs> I said, here's the priestess. But anyway, I found that very, uh, very funny and very humorous at the time. But to answer your question, um, I guess what it was is that um, when I had this feeling that I should be head of a spiritual or, or head of a spiritual uh, a group because somehow I felt that this was something I was supposed to do. And then how that came about, Rob, was, you know, again, the levels of awakening, awakening. And I always told people there's a divinely appointed time because after I had the awakening with the uh, the Palladians are the ones, I will tell you, are the ones to put in the head that they need to anchor light to the planet. They need groups to anchor light to the planet. And there's a whole thing with that. So I want to tell your audience, sometimes you don't understand everything. So I just said, okay, I'm going to do an anchoring light meditation. And there were people who showed up. I said, okay. So I just started to do the meditation and they came back next Monday and I was, I was like, Oh, wow. They're still coming back. Cause this is your sure You, you don't know. And then what I got, I realized I was always doing meditations from way back in New York. I always felt that we need to come together and meditate that we need to stay, have that connection. I didn't realize that it was preparing me to be what I call a channeled meditation transmission that it's not me it's something else connecting to that didn't come to me i just started to open my mouth but when i was trained at the new york city you know um new york uh spiritual science center they had something called inspired lectures you know when you look back at your life you could see how things unfolded to bring you to where you are and so the inspired lectures i could say was a precursor to channeling because they would get up there and say, okay, talk. It's like, you didn't write anything down. Whatever the topic was, it would be inspired. So I was trained with inspired lectures that led to this, I guess, connection, strong connection to be able to channel uh, higher, which I come to understand. They have been, uh, I call it the collective, but it's mostly the ascended masters you know, of light, it is sometimes the angelic beings and star <laughs> beings. And I come to understand that now, but during the journey, I wasn't sure. And the guidance I got with that is you don't have to know everything because you can't. And that's where the faith comes in. 
And you just take one step at a time, one step at a time. And then as you take that one step at a time, you begin to understand more. You look back at your journey. You understand why things are. It is truly a spiritual journey for all of us. Okay, you talk about the Pleiades. Now, have you seen a UFO? Have you had an encounter? A physical? You have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the first, so let me, okay, so let's see. So after all this awakening, you know, the dream experience, talk, the book of birth, all of that, I'm like this, okay. <laughs> I, I actually have these earrings on, if you could see them, has a piece of Moldavite. <clears throat> so there were changes going on in my life at the time, and I ended up going to a gem show that was here in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, I go by and I see Moldavite. I've never was familiar with Moldavite. I have those same earrings. Oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> oh my gosh. I keep them on all the time and I'm never without Moldavite. So anyway, at this time, uh, I see a lady and she talks about Moldavite and there's a book about Moldavite. I see the earrings. I buy Moldavite. I know when I put these earrings on, it helped to change my life forever. It, it put me in a, trajectory. So I, I bought some pieces of Moldavite. I'm reading the book and I'm doing a meditation. And when I'm doing at home and when I'm doing the meditation, I see as clear as day, uh, uh, of what do you call a flying saucer? It was round. It just came right in my third eye awareness. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and I never before connected like UFOs, you know, or extraterrestrials in spirituality. I never connected it to. And then at some point I realized like, wow, this is part of the spiritual path is the awareness of these extraterrestrials. And then I did the research and realized the Palladians. I have a particular connection with the Octorians, very, very strong connection with Octorians. And of course the Andromedans and of course that whole thing. So that was a whole thing of study that I did and I became aware of that. The Palladians are the ones that kind of guided me to do the anchoring light transmission meditation. And the Octorians show up and it's interesting I'm wearing this color because I started seeing lime green everywhere, lime green. And, um, and of course I'm having all kinds of Moldavites all over me now. And uh, I come to realize very clearly that when I started my spiritual path, um, going to the New York, uh, New York uh, Spiritual <clears throat> Science Center. I was in my very early, late 20s, early 30s. And I have a vivid memory of going into a place in a dream experience that was like very sterile, bright light. And it had like tables, like how you would see in a hospital. I remember that vividly. And I've come to find out something later on, you know, uh, that's neither here nor there at the moment, but that was my first memory of having some sort of an extraterrestrial contact. And wow. then later on, I go to I go to South America, I go to Lake Titicaca. Uh, I'm doing the anchoring light transmission meditations. You know, consciousness is going high and quickly. Go to Lake Titicaca. I didn't even know how to pronounce the word Titicaca. I didn't know it existed. I must have missed school that day when they talk about it being the highest lake. I said, I didn't know about it. You know, how do you even start? That's when these sacred journeys started. How do you, how, you know, I don't speak Spanish. I most certainly don't speak, you know, uh, the, the, the native languages there. And I just said, okay, how do you do this? Everything was divinely orchestrated. This lady who was part of the anchoring like meditation, Sheena, all right, blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful, petite. She says, oh, I lived in um, Puna for years and I speak, I speak Spanish. I'm like, what? And I would love to do, uh, uh, you know, a tour over to Peru. I'm like, what? Well, here's your chance. Everything fell into place. And we took this trip over to Peru, to Lake Titicaca, and connection with the Ascendant Masters. And then all of this like connected dots starts to come together, again, expanding consciousness. And so as I started the Anchoring Light Meditation, it was rapid, very rapid in the unfoldment of consciousness. And 
the people who thousands of people um, have participated in the anchoring light now. It is really a transmission somebody sent to me through theosophy from years ago, groups that got together just like how we do that do the exact same thing. And first there was a connection with the extraterrestrials who connected us to a higher level, but now we don't need the extraterrestrials as much. We go directly to the ascendant masters. So is this what is this what took place when you took this trip? Lake Titicaca. Yeah, it ignited it. I was always on it. We were on it, but it's like it started to. Well, okay. So I went twice. This is all the journey that we're on. I actually went twice when I went first to Peru and to um, Lake Titicaca and, you know, doing that whole thing. And every place we went, we we prayed for the land. I had a portable altar. So, you know, we put down the thing and put the ride. We all hold hands and we're all praying. That's the whole purpose, right? We're all doing that. And with leaving, I hear in my head telepathically, you'll be back. Next year, I'm back in Bolivia because Puma Punku. Whoever heard of Puma Punku? I don't know Puma Punku, but it's like you go to Puma Punku because... What I understand from the Palladians, information is stored in bone and stone, bone and stone. It was important to go and touch these ancient stones, all right? And it's an exchange. It's not only that we're receiving information, we're (coughs) also given information. So it's like a triggering. And when I went on these sacred trips, there were other people other light workers from around the world doing the same thing. We couldn't even speak each other's language, but we all knew why we were there. So the second trip, I went to Bolivia to Puma Punku, and they have there the uh, island of the moon and the island of the sun. And the island, the moon, most ancient place was known as the wisdom keepers for the women, you know, back Uh, that held that energy there. And the island of the sun was uh, primarily the men. And they're not sure how old Pumapunku is. You know, that's the one with the big H, gigantic. These these stones are gigantic. And, you know, this was not done by any caveman, that's for sure. I mean, that was featured on Ancient Aliens. uh, Correct. Yes, yes, yes. So that's that's where I, I, I was. And uh, many years ago. So I was laying on the rocks. I was touching the rocks. I don't think you could do that anymore. But back then, you know, and and just 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 uh, getting the information, uh, had visions of all these underground um, canals underneath there. Uh, this is an ancient place, the gateway of the sun. So this was a full immersion into everything. And at the island of the sun, we, you know, dressed in white, doing a ceremony. How I got connected with the guy is another story to his name is Mojisto, Luis Mojisto. He has encounters with ETs and with the, um, the ascendant masters that are around that Lake Titicaca area. Okay. He doesn't speak English. I don't speak Spanish. It's just a made through Google translation, okay, <laughs> how this all came about. And what I've come to find, you know, when you just listen, they take good care of you. First class all the way. No problems whatsoever. <laughs> so, uh, but what happened at Island of the Sun, all of a sudden, because it's such a large lake, it has its own weather system. Yeah, so okay. it was gray. But then the clouds parted, the sun came, and a sunbeam hit me right here. I just remember that so clearly, right like that. At the end of our trip, Lewis just had his book translated into English. And so as a gift, he gave us the book, you know, that he wrote about his experiences. (coughs) And I look at the last page, and it shows the exact initiation that happened where the clouds part, the sun comes in and it hits you here. And it's after that trip to Bolivia that the Cosmic Center Spiritual Light started. Oh, the time was now. Did, when you were in Peru, did you hear about a place called Marcawasi? I think I know of Marcawasi. Is that where they have the large, the, uh, the large huge geographic? Uh, yes. Yeah, I have not been there, but I, I know I, I've, I've read about it and heard about it. Yeah. 
yeah. It's very, very ancient. It's yeah, it very, is. very, very ancient. And there's a lot of information, you know, that's there that can be energetic exchange. What I found so wonderful is like when you're called to go to these special places, okay, it's other people that are doing. So I also went to um, England, to Avebury, and also to Stonehenge, uh, to the Wessex Triangle of England. And this was profound because the message was to go there, uh, that there was a crop circle of importance some information was to come. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to go to the uh, Crop Circle Conference, which was great. Oh, wow. So all the, noted, all the noted people were there. It was just really awesome. And uh, so, you know, you do have to put on boots and schlep across a lot of, <laughs> you know, so a lot of land, you know. So, you know, we, we, we did all of that. But um, what, was, um, what was amazing about that is that, I had this mystic uh, little pendant and then I got it at a cryon conference, actually cryon. And at the time, you know, money was limited, but I felt so strong. I had to get that. And so anyway, a small group of us, we go over there, we're going to different crop circles. We're going on the planes. We're looking at the crop circle, totally merged into it. And it was this one time uh, that they wanted to go to, uh, this crop so and I really wanted to go to another one and I got a little indignant too I was like oh, I'm going to the other one anyway <laughs> end up going to this one right and then everybody's going in one direction I said you know we should do our prayer here we should put the altar in here so we put the altar and I put that mystic topaz on this thing it was called the cathedral that was the name of it the cathedral and so we said our prayers and you did our regular thing and so forth and then after that we left we were then getting ready to leave to come back home you know to the states and we wanted to see you know what was the new crop circles but it was raining that day so they're not able to take the pictures because of the weather so we ended up leaving and then we finally got to Atlanta where we had the first opportunity like to go on the website and take a look. And lo and behold, that area where we put the mystic topaz there, okay, another crop circle attached to it. Uh. I know the crop circles could attach to another crop circle and it did it a third time. And it looked very much about the divine feminine, the way it was done how that look is, I don't have it. You could, you know, go back and look the year, what is called the cathedral. It actually morphed one, two, three times. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. And so the message on that was, this was very important. The message was, we can't do this unless you do this. Mm -hmm. This is a group endeavor. This is the same with the ascended masters. They need us like we need them. We are, in fact, part of the spiritual hierarchy. I say that we are the boots on the ground. What we choose to do to follow our soul pulse is so important because it is integrated with the collective of many other layers of the ascension plan. And that's why I tell people, if you think that you're supposed to write a book, write the book. If you have a podcast, do the podcast. If you feel you're supposed to do, do it that it's falling into a light because there's this whole um, interconnectedness, this entanglement, if you will, okay, of a much broader plan that everybody is has their puzzle piece and how important your puzzle piece is. And we are each other's teachers and we are each other's students and we're here to trigger each other, you know, to do what we've come to do collectively. Yeah. I can uh, see why Susan, why you helped Susan. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's Her just amazing. Is so far out there. And it, it's I, I, I said, hey, we <laughs> understand. We love you. I understand completely. And you no, know, just to answer that, there's so many people. We know this can be a very lonely path. This can be a very isolated path. Who do you even talk to? You know right. what I mean? Can you imagine that now we have the opportunity to talk as freely as we do right now about topics? There are more and more people open up and being more open. <coughs> That's true. But part of the cosmic center, 
purpose and mission was for other people and also the anchoring light was was for other light workers to know other light workers mm-hmm. like i'm not crazy there are other people that think this way too it's like finding your tribe you know that we lift each other up because what i tell a lot of particularly your millennials your younger people i said you know what you're not crazy the world is crazy that's what's crazy you're good Can, can anybody right. come to That's the craziness. Can anybody come to your center? Was that? Oh yes. Anybody. Okay, so it's open to the public. Uh, do do you have uh like a bookshop or uh do do you do readings there? What what takes place? We have the whole gamut. Primarily, okay. we are an educational and healing center. Uh-huh. So we do, you know, and people could go on our website www.ccosl.com which stands for Cosmic Center of Spiritual Light and by the way the word cosmic came way back when to use that i really had to push for that name uh to to manifest itself uh and it is because of that name cosmic that has attracted like noted illuminaries from around the world oh, we just had Dr. JJ Hertak you know of the Keys of Enoch Uh-huh. No, he goes to these major conferences. He came to our little center here, which oh, was wow. quite a big deal. Another lady by the name of Marabai, you know, just like, uh, well, of course, uh, William Henry, uh, you know, all the guys there, the ancient aliens that I know, you know, the they've come over here, uh, which is great. But we, so, you know, pre-COVID, You know, we had many things here talking about UFOs or, you know, other topics that are noteworthy. Um, and then at, and during COVID, I actually did have a dream experience regarding that. And uh, I was in Nashville. I worked six weeks out of the year. I don't get paid to do this. You know, the, the universe has orchestrated things in such a way that I work six weeks out of the year. I'm an expert in Medicare. And uh, on corporate enrollments. So I happened to be in Nashville at the time, and um, I was guided to bring this book. I said, I don't have time to do this because when you work those six weeks, you work, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're working those six weeks. But it turned out that for a week, I had nothing to do. All I could do was sit at a cubicle. And I often laugh. I said, if somebody was clairvoyant, you'd probably see a, a, a lay wish, a kind of a, a light coming into my little cubicle at the time because I was downloading so much stuff was coming in, you know, at that particular time. So you just never know. You have to be in the moment. But it was during that time that I got the guidance about getting the technology together, get your technology together. So when I came back, I was like, we got to get our technology together. I didn't know why. And sure enough, when COVID hit, we had an easy transition, right? We never skipped the beat. That's great. Yeah, thank you for very, very much yeah. for coming on uh, yes. to our podcast. And of course, we could talk for another five hours. Yeah. But <laughs> We'd love to come to your center, but at some point. Yes, um, I'd love that. Yeah, we like Sarasota. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a, a pleasure to meet you, uh, Rob and Trish. I felt so comfortable because of the light that we all are, which is wonderful. <laughs> I thank great. you so much. Yeah, we'll send you the well, link thank when you. it goes up. So thank, okay. thank you very much. Okay. That'll be awesome. Okay. Bye now. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.